Liam has attended church most his life. He knows a decent amount about the Bible, Ten Commandments, John 3.16, and Jesus' command to love others. He loves his church, works hard, raises a family, and tries to be a moral and ethical person. If he's being honest, church is kind of routine. It's something to mark off his list, refill his cup, and get a nugget of truth to carry him throughout the week. However, there's no real passion, no vision, nothing to throw his darts at. In truth, he's just surviving life and trying to be a good person. What would it look like to ignite his passion for one and be reminded of who he truly is and what God is calling him to do? Throughout this campaign, you're going to meet people like Liam. We're just going to talk a little bit about some of the people that we might meet in our life, some of the things they're struggling through in life. These are, these are people I know. These are people you know. And our hopes is to be able to engage them, to talk to them. In some cases, you might even say, well, that's me. And, and I do think for Liam, for instance, that's a lot of people in the church. They're, they're good people. They're decent. They love Jesus. They're hardworking. They're ethical, moral people. Life, in many ways, they're just trying to make ends meet. Life sometimes just seems like a struggle. It's hard to connect the dots in life, and they're just kind of living day by day. In many ways, if I had to describe their life, it feels like they're, they're, they're surviving, but not necessarily thriving. You know what I mean? It's like life is a fight. And maybe you're saying, yeah, that kind of describes my life right now. I don't think you're alone. I think that describes a lot of people. And I think that describes many who are in the church. So let's talk about it today because I think there are a lot of Liam's in the church. And my hope is to be able to shift some of our thinking to the things we should be considering, the things that, that are worth and worthy of our time. For a lot of those Christians, they're just, they're saying, you know what, something's missing in my faith. For many of them, they're just walking around and they're saying, you know what, I, I can recall a time when I was really passionate about my faith. I was really excited about my, my Christian journey. But you know what, something's changed. And there's a piece of me, I'd like to get back to that passion. I'd like to get back to that excitement. Maybe you can recall a time. Maybe it was early in your faith journey where you're like, I was truly excited about becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. But, but over time, maybe that's waned just a little bit. And you're asking the questions, I mean, is there more? What can I do to engage that excitement? And so today I want to explore a passage. If you have your Bibles today, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, some of you use your electronic devices, which is awesome. Uh, and, and if not, we're going to be putting the verses on the screen so you can follow along in a number of different ways uh, and whatever makes you comfortable. Paul's talking to an interesting group of people in, uh, in 2 Corinthians today. He's talking to a group of people who are being persecuted why are they being persecuted, though? And what's interesting is this group of people are being persecuted for their faith because they are actively telling other people about Jesus. They're, the word for it in church is evangelizing. They're witnessing to other people. They're sharing their story. They're inviting them into a journey with Jesus Christ. And because they are doing this boldly, they are facing opposition on many different sides, whether that's with other religious people, whether that's with the Roman government, whatever it may be, in their boldness to share Jesus Christ, it has caused them to face persecution. So let's see what Paul has to say to this group of people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll start in verse 13. He says, since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe 
and therefore speak. Now, why did I start with this verse in that section? And part of it is to kind of bring us back into the conversation last week. If you were here on Easter, we talked about faith and we talked about belief. And we said that in the first century, in the ancient Greek, these were really the same word in many ways. They saw them as the same words. That's changed a little bit in the modern English. But back then, they both had the same Greek root word. It's just that one was the noun and one was the verb. You have faith. That's the noun. You exercise that faith by believing. That's the verb. But in the end, belief and faith to them were used interchangeably. They meant the same thing. And we also stressed that faith and believing was more than just a head exercise. It's more than just having the right thoughts and thinking the right things and, and marking off the right things on your list. That's important. We need to have correct thinking, but faith is more than just having the right thoughts. Because we said there's an aspect of faith, yes, of believing, but there's also trusting and there is also doing there's action. The Bible tells us faith without works is dead. So there's an obedience piece that comes with it. And I start this verse because he's saying the same thing. What he's saying is, listen, we have this spirit of faith. Therefore, we also believe. What's the result of that? We speak. There's action. It's not enough just to have the head exercise. We're not called to hold it in. We are certainly not called to be silent. Our faith should result in action. And in this particular case, Paul is saying that action should result in your words, in what you say. Your faith is not allowed to be merely a private affair that you keep only to yourself. He's challenging and he's reminding this group of people about that. He continues on in verse 14 with them. And what does he say? He says, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself. So again, remember, faith is, is about believing. There's a head exercise piece to it, but it also has trusting. And we say, what do we trust? We trust this, that because Jesus rose from the grave, we too will rise from the grave. That with every death, there can be a resurrection through Jesus Christ. That is the hope of the gospel. And we trust that God's promises are true. So we trust that if Jesus rose from the grave, God will raise us from the grave. The real question becomes, since all of us will be, where is your eternity? Because the Bible, I know it's not popular in our culture, but the Bible's very clear. There is a heaven, there is a hell. We trust that there will be a resurrection. The Bible tells us we're all destined once to die and face judgment. Because we trust in that, because we hold that, that should stir up feelings inside of us to speak. It should break our hearts. Paul's reminding them of what's most important. Your faith, yes, it's a head exercise, but it should result in speaking. And what is it we speak? We speak the truth that there is a resurrection of the dead. That all people have an eternal destiny. He continues on in verse 15. He says, all of this is for your benefit. Now, all of what is for your benefit? We'd have to back up a little bit. But basically what Paul's saying, this is tough. He's saying this persecution that you're getting, this pushback, 
the anger from others, it's for your benefit. Have you ever thought of it that way? Because in the middle of it, when you're being persecuted or someone's angry at you or they're lashing back, my first thought isn't usually praise the Lord. But Paul's reminding them, all of this that you're doing, your faith, your believing, is for your benefit. Why? So that the grace is reaching more and more people. This is key to our, re- our REACH campaign. What is REACH all about? Why are we doing what we're doing? Why do we have to live beyond Sunday? Why do we have to get outside of our walls? Why do we want to be a blessing to our community? So that we can reach more and more people. But I get it. Sharing the gospel and telling others about Jesus is hard. Stepping out of your your bubble and your comfort zone isn't easy. It's truth. I mean, there's comfort to hiding behind the walls and the fortresses we make from the world and hunkering down. But Paul's reminding them in all of this, and in verse 16, he tells them, don't lose heart. And he reminds them, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, what what is Paul doing here in this verse? What he's doing, the key is in outward and inward. He's trying to move their attention from one thing. He's reminding them, listen, it can be real easy in this world that we live in to get focused on the world. And he's more and more, we're going to see in these verses, trying to get them focused on heaven and heavenly purposes. It's real easy to allow the things of this world to distract us. It's real easy to only get caught and trapped in the here and the now and what's happening here and lose sight of the bigger vision and the bigger calling that we have been sent out into the world to let them know. And that is that Jesus Christ saves. And he's trying to say, listen, you can't focus just on what's happening around you. Don't just get focused on earthly things. You're just passing through. Remember, there are heavenly things that you have to keep in mind. And don't forget your calling. We are called to be a blessing in the world, a light to the community. We're not called to hide behind walls. This is not a fortress. We're called to live into the world, to be shining lights. Paul's trying to shift the conversation and move it from from just thinking of the world to remembering the hope that we hold inside of us. Because he knows something. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. But I want to go ahead and introduce it. He knows something that is so vitally important. When you introduce people to Jesus, when you go to find your one and you help them to become more like him, we often like to think, man, That's going to help this person grow. That's going to help them be better. And that's true. But can I let you in on a real secret? When you go find your one, and you begin doing life with them, and you begin sharing with them the hope of Jesus Christ, and you're doing life alongside them and shepherding and discipling them, the person who ends up growing is you. 
That's the big secret. And there's a lot of Christians out there, I get it. They're like, I feel stalled in my faith. I, they come talk to me, Pastor, I feel, like I, I feel like my faith has just kind of come to a plateau. It's not going anywhere. I, 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 don't, I don't know, it just seems like I had a passion at one time. I don't have that same passion anymore. And, and, and it just kind of feels like I've stalled out. And we'd like to think, oh, the answer is, well, just pray more, read your Bible more, go to group more. The real answer might be, Go find someone to disciple. What may stall you out is your inability to go disciple someone else. When Jesus said, go make disciples, that's what he said to do. That's the great commission. Go make disciples. And so Paul's trying to shift the conversation. You're focused on these things, and I need you to focus on these things. And so there are some shifts I think we need to make at Radiant Church as well in the next two years, and I want to share some of those with you, if I could, for just a moment. These are in your worship guide. If you want to use your fill-ins so that you can study them again during this week, reflect on them, pray about them, ask the Lord to reveal His work in your life. What's the first shift we have to make? Well, the first one is this, we have to grow, stop from growing me to reaching others. And uh, for a minute, hang tight, because I know right away someone's like, that sounds like heresy, and it's not. Let me explain. Remember, these are specific for Radiant Church right now. I'm well aware that for the last three to four years, we've had a strong focus on people growing up in their faith and maturing. We have asked you to pray more. We've asked you to read your Bible more. We've asked you to get plugged into a community of people and do life together. Because we have taken seriously the call from Jesus to make disciples. And we realize that if we're going to make disciples, we might, might want to be disciples ourselves. And if we're to be the church that we're needing to be, we need to be maturing. And I believe we are. But now I need us to make a subtle shift in our lives. I'm not asking you to stop reading your Bible. I'm not asking you to stop praying, okay? But I need you to make a subtle shift to understanding you. if you're going to grow up in your faith, there eventually comes a time when you have to move from feed me to feed others. And it's a big shift. That church can't just be about my wants, needs, and desires. I actually exist for God and I exist for others. That we actually have to get out into the community. We have to tell people about Jesus and shine our light. For many of you, if you're stalled out in your faith, this might be where you're stalled out. It's still about you. It's about your preferences, what you want. You've never made that shift from feed me to I exist to feed others. And in this campaign at Reach, I'm calling it out and I'm telling you, I appreciate that you've been growing the last two or three years and you've been obedient in that, but it is time for us to focus outward and go find our ones. It's time to feed others. The second shift is this. We have to move from loving this world to glorifying God. This world's not our home. We're just passing through. We're called to be focused on eternal things. And I get it. We talked about this a minute ago, but I dive in a little bit further. It can be very easy to get caught up in the noise and the distractions of life. What I oftentimes call, a famous author called the tyranny of the urgent. 
We can get caught up in all the things and chaos of life happening around us and those things cause us to move our eyes off of eternal things. And, and, and we get caught that way. We're just surviving. We're like in survival mode. I'm just trying to get through another day and make it, pay the bills, raise my kids, do whatever I can. We're not called to live that way. And that's definitely not freedom. Right. We're not called to get trapped in the chaos of life. And Paul's saying, man, if that's you, make the shift from earthly things to eternal things. Keep your eyes on Jesus and what is important to him. But you know what? There's something even more difficult than getting caught up in the noise of chaos of life. There's a second group of people, and this one can be even more dangerous because there's another group, group of people, they're not caught up in the noise and distractions of life. What they're caught up in is that life is actually going pretty well. They get caught up in worldly pleasure they get caught up in the calm. And that can be another trap as well. It's the trap of comfort. Because you know what? In our comfort, we can say things like, we don't mean to, we don't say it out loud, but you know what? I've got a pretty good house. I've got a couple cars out in the driveway. My kids are pretty good. I mean, we've got our little problems, but overall, it's not, it's not too bad. And, and, and you know what? A little thought can creep in. Man, I've got everything I need. Why do I need Jesus? Or worse yet, you know what? I'm doing just fine in my comforts of life. Why would I intentionally go make myself uncomfortable? It's a trap. Which one is you? I'm trapped in the tyranny of the urgent or I'm trapped in my comfort? The Bible tells us we're not to love this world or anything in this world. And Paul would remind us that we are to be anxious of nothing. We are to put our trust in God in all things. And so Paul gives us the antidote. He says, well, we're going to have to move then from worry to thanksgiving. Do this exercise. I, I, I've had to learn to do this. When you, when you get a trap of worry or anxiety or whatever it may be, have you ever just stopped and thought, what am I thankful for? It's an amazing way to disarm the enemy. What am I thankful for? Am I thankful for the right things? Again, I, I could say, well, I'm thankful for my house, I'm thankful for my car, my family. But, but let me ask you, what burns brighter inside of you? Are you more thankful for your stuff? Or are you more thankful at the opportunity to share Jesus Christ? And I'm well aware I just stomped on a bunch of toes. <laughs> What are you more thankful for? Do you have a thanks for the right things? Are you thankful that you have the opportunity to share the gift of Jesus Christ with others? Is that truly good news to you? Again, are your eyes here on earth or are they on heavenly things? The next shift we have to make, we've talked about several times before, but it's absolutely worth bringing up as we go into REACH campaign, and that shift is this. We've got to move from coming to church to being the church. Church is not a building. It is not a location. It is not a place. never has been. Church is the people of God who gather to live out the calling of God in a dark world around them. You're not at church, you are the church. 
This is the church. Not a building, not a place, not a denomination. It's the people of God. If we're going to extend our reach and live beyond Sunday morning and live outside of our walls, I'm going to need everyone to get in the game. And what that means is that genuine Christianity is not a spectator sport. Jesus did not say, go ye therefore and make attenders. People who occupy parking spots and chairs. He said, go make disciples. And a disciple is a particular thing. It's a person doing the things their Savior does, saying the things their Savior does with the intent of becoming who or what their Savior is. Our calling is to make disciples. And that's what this REACH campaign's about. But for us to make disciples, we're going to have to make new friends. Because if all we're going to do is disciple each other, would the last person alive please shut the lights out on your way out? You know what I mean? You can disciple yourself into attrition. We have to get outside of our walls. We have to make new friends. And to do this, I realize what it's going to require is another shift. We're going to have to move from preservation to boldness. Too many Christians are in a defensive posture. They are living in fear. They're afraid to talk to people about Jesus. They're afraid to share their faith. They're afraid to live it out. They're afraid to share what is the best news in the entire world. And again, it's the traps. Either they get caught in the chaos of life or they're just comfortable. And I'm not sure, but there's really just nothing worse than a comfortable Christian. I'll be honest with you. If we're to break out of the walls, we have to be more concerned with reaching people for Jesus rather than preserving our status quo. Are you willing to do that? In fact, you're going to have to wrestle with an even tougher question. Are you willing to lose everything to gain Christ? Everything, because that's what Jesus told us. I don't have great news. Persecution happens. Jesus says if they hate me, they're going to hate you. That wasn't the best news in the world, but it's a reality. Listen, y'all, persecution's going to happen. Rejection's going to come. I just need you to shift your thinking a little bit and consider this. Have you ever considered that persecution and rejection and anger actually might be a gift from God. Because in that persecution, we share in the sufferings of Christ. And when we share in the sufferings of Christ, we become more like Christ. Are you willing to share in the sufferings of Christ? And the even tougher question is, are you willing to be more concerned about what God thinks rather than other people think? Who are you trying to please? God or someone else? Who's got your attention? I want you to consider that the price of being ridiculed, rejected, and persecuted is not only worth it, but it's absolutely necessary to grow. And if you're stalled out and you've lost your passion and you're wondering what's next, this might be what you're missing. This might be the peace. 
We're called to think on heavenly things. That's why the final verse for today, Paul reminds us, he says, we fix our eyes on what is, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. The things of this earth and this world, they're temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Are your eyes fixed on the right things? Are they on eternal things and the hope of Jesus Christ? Because this final last shift we have to make is so important. In fact, we're going to talk about so much, you're going to really just hate me at some point in this whole thing. But we have to move from me to one. Who is your one? And realize that it's not about you. And I, I know in this world today, that might be an alarming statement for some. But it's actually not about you. Too many of us are feeding off the praise and approval of others, and you weren't created for that. It is most certainly not the way of Christ. We exist to please God. And can we be honest? Come on, a life centered on me, most of us know this, is an empty, selfish life. So why do you need your one? Because their eternity depends on it. I end, I end with this as we go through it. Let me ask one more tough question. Does it grieve you? Truly grieve you that there are neighbors, co-workers, family, and friends who do not know Jesus? There's your litmus test. Because you know what? That grief should drop us to our knees, crying out to God. Do you truly grieve that there are people close to you who are far from Christ and whose destiny might be hell? Their eternity depends on it. That's why you've got to go find your one. Now, a quick review, and then we'll end here, on who a one is. A one is somebody who is far from Jesus Christ, they're not following Christ. It is someone nearby. It's someone local when we talk about one. This is not your lost friend in Massachusetts, although you still need to go talk to your friend in Massachusetts. But for this sake, your one is someone nearby. And it is someone that you have determined you will pour time and resources in to help them know about Jesus. First time I told my one, his voice changed and his demeanor changed on the spot. And he kind of said something along the lines of, not, not really into that Jesus and religion crap. And that was the end of that conversation. So just started doing life with them. We can find other things to talk about. We can talk about home repairs and kids and all sorts of things and grew a friendship. About three weeks ago, you know, I kind of said, hey, we've got an Easter egg hunt coming up. Your kids would probably really like it. And, you know, and he looked at me, he goes, they probably would. I, we'll be there. We're coming to the Easter egg hunt. And um, he didn't come. Wish I had a good story for you on that. So do we give up? Do we stop? 
Had it, I'd be preaching this on Monday, it, it, it would have ended right there, but let me tell you something pretty cool. On Thursday, he was walking home, and he just looked at me, and he said, what's that church you pastor? And I said, oh, it's Radiant Church, and I told him a little bit about Radiant and where he could find it online, and he looked, and he said, I think I'll look you up online. Now, whether or not he does it, I don't know. Only the Lord knows. But we keep planting seeds and we don't give up and we remember the price. It's worth it to step out there and introduce other people to Jesus. And I need you to decide in your heart that it's worth it. And to step out in faith, not just with the head exercise, I need you to step out with obedience trusting that God's promises are true and let the world know you have to speak. Jesus is the hope for the world. You gotta go find your one. Let's pray.